Welcome to the Stanfast Podcast. Of course, you know, if you are listening, you knew it was a Stanfast Podcast, but I'm your host, Colby. Uh, if you are listening, I'd appreciate it if you would maybe follow and uh, turn on the notifications and maybe share with your friends or people you think that would like the podcast. But, you know, if you don't like the podcast, you don't have to listen. So you could just do something else, quit wasting your time. Uh, but I do appreciate the consideration. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this episode today, mainly because I don't have a lot of time to record this episode. I'm actually kind of behind. I've been sick for the past week, and so I haven't been able to do an an episode. And so this one's coming out a little later than usual, and so it's not going to be as complete as usual. I just wanted to spend a little bit of time now, uh, instead of going over current events or anything like that, or talking about, um, you know, my institution or my classes or, you know, going on a rant like that, I decided today... I'd like to talk a little bit about determinism. And uh, for those of you who don't know what determinism is, uh, you may know it by another name, which would be Calvinism. That, that's not that's not exactly true. Uh, but Calvinism is a type of determinism. And I just want to talk about this a little bit, just because I, I want people... I personally am not Calvinist. I, I would not say I'm Arminian, because I think that covers too wide an array of beliefs. Um, I I could spend an episode going over my, my beliefs sometime. Um, but that won't be this episode. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm definitely not Calvinist, I'm not Lutheran, and I, I'm not Arminian, um, but I'm definitely not Calvinist is, is the main point. Anyway, but I, I think what I want people to understand is that if you are Calvinist, and I have a lot of friends that are Calvinist, I know a lot of people that are Calvinist, uh, that are Reformed, and I want people to... I just I just want to put this out there because I'm not sure everybody who adheres to reform theology is understands what it means to then have to what it would mean to then have to be consistent with that uh, theology, mainly because it's it's just not taught. I, I don't think in a way that a lot of people, or at least the way it should be taught, especially in reform circles. Uh, I think they glaze over some of the harder parts of it. I'm not saying that it's you know. Uh, I'm not saying that my beliefs are without my, I mean, there's hard parts about my beliefs, but I think, I just think everything needs to be taught when you, when, especially when it comes to something as important as theology and the word of God. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about that uh, in this episode and specifically, like I said, talk about determinism. So what is determinism? Well, it's kind of like it sounds, it's, it's determining ism or it's determinism, you know, it, it's, it's a, looking at things at fate specifically being determined so the 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 premise here is like um looking at the foreknowledge of god which is a core reformed teaching that god has foreknowledge and therefore he elects people's salvation based off of his foreknowledge and that but but determinism specifically is looking at how is a calvinist teaching of how god determines things to happen because of his foreknowledge like electing people to salvation, he determines people to salvation. So determinism, and determinism isn't just in Calvinism. I mean, this is something that's been looked at throughout history. I mean, uh, in Greek mythology, that if you've ever heard of like the three fates, so there's like these three old ladies who all share this one eye and they can see the future and, and you know, like your fate, like that's, you know, they're called the fates, um, but they can see the fate and they it's determined it's like set in stone so no matter what you do your destiny your fate your whatever your future is determined uh, and that you know that was in greek mythology and actually that that was something that really heavily influenced augustine 
Which, by the way, Augustine is one of those um, uh, people in church history, one of those men in church history who is greatly overappreciated. He was not a great theologian. By many means, I think he was probably a heretic. Uh, but he, I think he is really a great example of being on the right side of history. Obviously, Augustine was very revered in his time, and he's still very revered. And the reason I think he's remembered so you know, well would be because the people who were in charge liked him. People who were in charge at the time of his life liked him. And you know, obviously, it's the people in charge are the ones who write the history books. And so there, there's like, you know, a reason why you don't hear about a lot about people like uh, the Donatists or a lot of these smaller groups during like the Reformation period would be because they weren't on the quote unquote right side of history. So they didn't have a lot of stuff written about them. Uh, the history books are going to be written by the people who are in charge. And a lot of times the people in charge aren't going to be the good guys like, you know, the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church. So Augustine is one of those that I think is too well remembered. I don't think I, I don't think a lot of good can come from his teachings. I think he was very I think he was tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine in a lot of ways. But Augustine was heavily influenced by Greek mythology. And he was a lot of people don't probably know this either but augustine was actually kind of the john calvin before john calvin uh john calvin was heavily influenced by augustine's teachings but augustine was kind of was kind of the big first big guy into the idea of foreknowledge and determinism but he was really into greek mythology he was heavily influenced by this idea of determinism uh in this idea of fate and and the future being determined and set in stone to where it cannot be changed uh but you know, Augustine then being Roman Catholic, believing that it was determined by God. So Augustine saw uh, fate and destiny, or however you want to call it, your future. Uh, he saw the world as being determined, as things being determined, but by God. So they're set in stone by God. So no matter what you do, you cannot escape what is determined by God. That was Augustine's determinism, which would later influence John Calvin in his determinism. Just looking at some of John Calvin's teachings uh, about uh, Calvin. Well, I guess at the time it wasn't Calvinism, but really about his his uh, views on determinism. John Calvin believed that God causes everything, and that nothing happens unless God determines determines it. These were John Calvin's teachings, his beliefs. So, if I were to drop my phone right here, I have my phone on my desk. If I drop my phone right here, if I do that, then that would be determined by God. If I don't do that, then my not doing that is determined by God. So every action I do, no matter what is already set in stone and determined by God, and I'm just kind of enacting what's already been uh, determined. Everything is caused by God. Well, that, that's furthermore. So not only is it determined by God in like some fate or timeline, but God actually causes it. So if I knock over my water bottle here on my desk, here, I'll, I don't, if you hear it in the background, I'm sorry, but you know, I knocked over my water bottle, and then I picked it back up. So I knocked over my water bottle. According to John Calvin's teachings, God caused me to knock over the water bottle. So it, it wasn't me doing it, it was God doing it, and I was just kind of like a puppet. Uh, I just did it. Everything I'm doing right now, my talking, my actions, everything is determined by God. Everything is caused by God. And so if, if you ever listened or if you ever read John Calvin's teachings or heard any of his quotes or if you've uh, a big uh, Calvinist um, who I believe recently passed away, R.C. Sproul, uh, was really big into this too. Uh, so uh, another essential belief then is that there is no free will. In humanity, now a lot of Calvinists come up with different, you know, types of free will and this kind of, and, and it's they, they try and make a mess of it. But the truth of the matter is, and they'll say it. R.C. Sproul will say it, or sorry, 
would have said it, RIP, I don't know. Uh, but they will say that there is no free will in in us, that we do not have true free will because God causes everything. So that that's the basis of the determinist belief of, of John Calvin's teachings and of Reformed theology, is that God causes everything, that nothing happens unless God determines it, and therefore we don't have any free will. So, you know, as far as this goes, there's nothing wrong with this belief thus far. Because it is logical to believe that a omniscient, omnipotent, you know, all-powerful supreme being like God uh, would cause everything to happen. That if he's in control of everything, that he, he then causes everything to happen. And, and they cite this as being a, a showing of God's sovereignty and of the power of God. But I'm going to go back to that because I actually think that the Calvinist teaching reduces the sovereignty and power of God. And I'm going to talk about why I believe that is. But that's often what's cited is that this is a big teaching about the, and you'll hear them say uh, like Jeff Durbin, I have a minute clip on my phone that I saved of Jeff Durbin talking about the sovereignty of God. And I, I promise you, man says sovereign or sovereignty or uses the word sovereign somehow 11 times in one minute. I'm not even joking. Uses it 11 times in a one minute span. Calvinists love sovereignty. They love that word and they love using it, which I think is ironic again, and I'll get to that, but, uh, that, that's, you're going to hear that a lot from Calvinists in reform circles is it's about the sovereignty of God. Uh, but they cite the sovereignty of God, meaning that then he must determine everything. And so we cannot truly have free will. Nothing we do can happen outside of God. Okay. Again, there's nothing wrong with the, this theology until you get to this point. And this is a teaching from John Calvin. This is teaching from R.C. Sproul, all uh, major people in Reformed theology. They all held to this belief. This is a, de a determinist belief in Calvinism, that God causes everything, and that includes that God even causes us to sin. So if I were to walk outside my dorm right now and smack someone across the face for no reason and then walk back in my dorm, God caused me to do that. If I uh, were to... I don't know, lie to my mom about something, anything, any lie I've ever told. It's been caused by God. I God would cause me to do that it's, no matter what. So even our sin, God causes. And this is where the theology really breaks down for several reasons. One, it, it's not in God's nature, nature to make us sin. The Bible is very clear. This that God tempteth no man to sin, that God is not a man that he should lie, that he should sin. God does not commit evil. God does not cause people to sin. This is clear biblical teaching. So already that is, the, and this is this is how you know you should run checks when it comes to theology. You look at the theology, you look at its points, what it believes. You know, for for Reformed theology, you can look at tulip, look at the points, but then you have to measure it to the Word of God. And this is a problem I think a lot of people do. A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll bring, and a lot of people who get taught Reformed theology in churches, this is how they'll be taught. They'll they'll be brought uh, the the Reformed teaching. And then they'll be brought um, the Bible, but the Bible, instead of being used as the check for the Reformed teaching, the Reformed teaching is checking the Bible. So, so they look at the Bible, and then they take everything that looks like it could fit their Calvinist teaching, and then they put it in, and then they, they talk about it, and they add all these verses, like one that uh, I'm going to make an episode about here in a little bit I've been looking at, which is a, a big one. Hold on, let me try and find it here. Uh, if you hear me flipping pages, I'm sorry, that's probably annoying in the mic. Uh, it was looking at limited atonement. Romans 9. Okay, so Romans, pretty much Romans 8 through 10 is a big passage for Calvinists. And it is greatly taken out of context, but they'll, they'll do things like that. They'll take patches, passages like that that seem to fit their views. 
and then they'll use that to try and confirm their teaching. Instead of looking at the teaching, then going to the Bible, reading the Bible in its context, instead of trying to read in your theology, decide to use the Bible to check whether your theology is right or not. And the Bible is very clear that God causes no man to sin. God tempteth no man to sin. So right there is there's a clear contradiction in the Word of God uh, that it's very clear that Calvinism, this determinism, this belief held by John Calvin, held by many reformers, many reformed theologians throughout the years, this belief that God causes everything, determines everything, including sin, is not biblical. And this is something people need to understand because this is a dangerous road to take because then you could just start justifying everything. So then every time that I decide to do anything, if I have a evil thought, if I have a, if I, you know, the Bible says that if you hate your brother, that you've already committed murder in your heart. Or if I look at a woman with lust, if I do that, that's all caused by God. If I start believing that, uh, then I start, I can easily start making an excuse for my sin that, well, it wasn't me. It was determined. I couldn't do anything about it. If, you know, you cheat on your wife, well, it wasn't me, it was God, he caused me to do it. You know, this is a dangerous path to start accusing God of causing people to sin. And I would not not bring such a railing accusation against the Almighty God. That's a dangerous thing to do. And I believe that this theology does it. I, I don't believe it. This theology does do it. And I believe that this is a, a problem, a problem that we need to address, and a problem that is quite clearly anti-biblical. This is just to give actual reference for the verse that I've been quoting. James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, I don't believe this is talking about temptation as far as like trials and tribulation, because God does allow those into our lives. I believe this is talking about temptation as far as sin. The Bible is very clear. God does not tempt any to sin. If God is causing us to sin, then therefore he is tempting it, because he is determining that we are tempted. The Bible is very clear that God tempteth no man with evil and that he cannot be tempted himself. So God cannot be tempted with either evil, neither tempteth he any man. This is clear biblical teaching. You can't mess this up. And yet John Calvin and Calvinist theology teaches that God causes people to sin. So just, you know, stepping away from that, because I think that point is very clear. And that's that was the biggest point for me. As far as when I was looking at Calvinist theology, because it was, it was a big study for me at first because I, had, I knew a lot of people that were Reformed. It was, a, it was a big deal in my circle for a while. And I really wanted to look at this and really understand why or why not we should believe or not believe Calvinism. And this was, this was a turning point for me. Was I, I looked at Tulip. I looked at total depravity, and honestly, that was really appealing. That looked biblical. I looked at unconditional election. You know, I that was the, really the newest thing for me. That was what I was trying to kind of decide on. Looked at limited atonement. That was didn't really make a lot of sense, but I thought, you know, maybe. Looked at irresistible grace. You know, I, well, that makes a lot of sense. I looked at perseverance of the saints, something that, a doctrine that I, I, I call it eternal security, but I still hold to that belief that once you're saved, you're always saved. You know, that, that I believe that. So, but when I got to the point of free will, and looking at this view, this 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 deterministic belief that is uh, inherent with Calvinism, it was the moment that I came to the realization and to the truth that Calvinism teaches that God causes people to sin that I immediately rejected the doctrine because of how unbiblical that teaching is. It is very clear in the Word of God that God does not cause people to sin. And so it was the free, really the free will issue in general that turned me off of Calvinism because I don't think the Bible teaches that. And I think to make God 
and put God in this deterministic view, I think really makes God look quite evil. I think it makes God look like an evil puppet master who just kind of plays with humanity as he wills and messes with people and decides to have some saved and some not saved, decides to mess with some. I think a good example of this is the book of Jonah. You think about the book of Jonah. Jonah, uh, originally when he was told to go to Nineveh, he fled. You know, he tried to try to get away from God. God had him swallowed by a rail and, and come back to Jonah. My my point with this book with the book of Jonah is that if God really determines everything and causes it, that means God caused Jonah, a prophet of God, somebody who's supposed to go preach the message, to flee from what he was supposed to do. God caused him to do that. And then God, instead of just, you know, determining that he changes his mind and goes back to sites, have him swallowed by a rail and goes through this whole story and rigmarole and all this stuff when he could have easily just determined that he goes straight to Nineveh. You know, again, I think it makes it seem like, like God is this puppet master who's just kind of playing with humanity as he sees fit in, in this kind of twisted way. I mean, it makes it seem like God was just messing with Jonah, that, oh, you're going here and then you're going there, and acting as if Jonah had some kind of free will, but he really didn't. I just don't believe that taking away man's free will, I think, fits in the account of the Bible. You think about even the, the idea of Adam and Eve. Calvinist belief would be that God caused Eve to take the fruit and to eat, and that he caused Adam to take the uh, fruit from Eve and eat. I mean, again, this just makes it seem like God set up humanity's story for his own pleasure in this kind of evil and twisted way, and he messes with people, and he causes people to sin and commit adultery. I mean, think about the hor most horrific you know, sin you can commit. I mean, adultery, rape, incest, all these things are, according to the Calvinist teaching, they're caused by God. And this is this was the moment, that was the moment when I looked at that, the, the issue of free will in Calvinism, that I rejected the teaching. And is a reason why I believe that all should reject this teaching as being non-biblical, because it's not biblical. And re really, its foundation was not biblical either. It was really a man, it was really Augustine, who influenced John Calvin, who, when he was a young believer, came up with a lot of these theological ideas about the Bible and about how he thought of things, and then kind of just laid it out to his followers to which eventually they started trying to add in the Bible in some way. I mean, this really isn't a biblical teaching in general. Um, and anyone who tries to tell you that, I, I would really like to, I have yet to hear, really hear a very good argument that's not taking any uh, passages out of context. That's an actual biblical argument for um, uh, Calvinism that also excludes God's sovereignty. And I'm going to talk about that next because people, Calvinist, Reformed people, Reformed folk, as Jeff Durbin would say, reformed folk uh, would say that Calvinism or that my point of view takes away from the sovereignty of God and that Calvinism, these doctrines of these reformed doctrines of grace is the only way to have a belief in a sovereign God. And I would disagree. And the reason I would disagree is because of the belief in Calvinist teaching of God's determinism and his foreknowledge. If I, again, so let's pretend like, well, not pretend because it's truth, but it, let's say we're Calvinist. Okay. I'm not. I, uh, uh, what am I saying? Anyway, let's let's say I have free will is my point. If I take my water bottle that I've already knocked over, and we talked about that, but this is a different example. If I take my water bottle and I drop out on the floor, okay, and then I and I, okay, let me rewind. I'm sorry. I'm 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 bugging. I'm tripping right now. Okay, if I take my water bottle and I hold it out here over my desk, and then I say. In two seconds, this water bottle is going to hit the floor. And then I drop it two seconds later and it hits the floor. Does that make me 
like cool like is that impressive to anybody no because i made it happen i told you what was going to happen and then i caused it to happen so if god's foreknowledge is also based on his ability to determine what happens if god only has foreknowledge because he causes i believe that takes away from the power and sovereignty of god because that is to say that god only has foreknowledge because he causes things to happen god only knows that i'm going to be saved because he's going to force me to be saved god only knows that i'm going to commit this sin because he's going to force me to commit this sin honestly it takes truly away from his power and sovereignty and i would say my point of view adds so much more to the power and sovereignty of god because i would say that it's a great mystery how god allows us to have free will and still knows things I believe that is that's the power of God. Something that we don't even understand is that God can know something without forcing it to happen. That honestly adds, adds to the sovereignty of God and to the sovereignty of His will. If He only has foreknowledge because He causes things to happen, that's not impressive. That's not any kind of special foreknowledge. We can do as much here on earth. I can knock over uh, my you know Funko Pop off my desk and and I could be like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Well, of course I did because I did it. The belief that God can have foreknowledge with with still allowing free will and not causing things to happen, not that he can't. I mean, that's another thing that, that Reformed people need to understand is I'm not denying the fact that God can. God can do whatever he wants. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's that's clearly stated in uh, the book of Exodus. God can, can move people and he can cause things wherever and whenever he wants. But I'm saying that God still allows free will. Even through that, and I think it's something that's beyond truly our our full under we cannot fully comprehend this but i believe it's truth and i believe looking at the biblical account we can understand this truth that god really does give us free will but he still knows what's going to happen and i believe that is a god that is much more omnipotent than a god who only has foreknowledge because he causes things to happen so that's my case against determinism in calvinism and again this is something that people need to understand these doctrines where they come from uh, look at the history. Look at Augustine's teachings. Look at John Calvin's teachings. Look at their quotes. Look at what they said. Look at look and examine the Calvinist theology and, and compare it to the biblical account. If the Bible clearly teaches against it, then reject it because it is false. We get our theology from the Bible. We don't confirm our theology with the Bible. The Bible is not our tool so that we can you know make anything we want to sound that we like and sound things sound good to to make it true by taking passages out of context there's a whole church built on top of that it's called the roman catholic church we don't want to do that we want to look at the bible and get our theology from the bible the bible says that we are kept by god and eternally secure well perseverance of the saints that's a that's a biblical uh doctrine that we can hold to that once you're saved you're kept you're then sealed in the spirit that you're kept by god and that you cannot fall from that and if you do fall from that then it means you were never saved you never really put your faith in christ we can look at these things in the bible we can get our doctrine from it total depravity the bible says that uh when we are born we're at enmity with god we can look at these things and we can examine them but then we can examine the other ones unconditional election the bible does not teach that limited atonement the bible very clearly does not teach that that christ died for all that uh, whosoever you know anybody can come to christ that it is not just for the elect but that he died and made atonement paid was a propitiation for our sins not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world god came and 
incarnate, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, came, died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Very clearly, not true. Irresistible grace. There's nothing in the Bible that teaches that. We need to look at these things and examine to see whether they fit with the Bible. And if they don't, we cannot hold to them. Thank you for listening. And as always, until next time.